0: This record. Okay. Okay. When you push this one down... It was disappointing to
1: watch.
0: This one also pushes down in your recording. Okay. Okay.
1: Show me the That's
0: good.
2: Very easy. Alright.
1: Howdy folks, this is uh, Devin Olson with the Wyoming Agriculture Podcast, bringing you yet another episode on Wyoming agriculture and all the happenings within the state. Uh, Today I'm going to bring you an exciting guest, his name is Jesse Miller. Uh, He is a local practicing family physician with a vested interest in health and nutrition. He graduated from Arizona State in 2010 with a bachelor's in biomedical engineering, and he was born and raised in Casper, Wyoming. We're going to be talking today with him about his efforts to bring health and nutrition to the forefront in Wyoming through localized quality production. Uh, Before we do that, let's go ahead and get into our sponsor. Our sponsor of the day today is Amazon.com. Folks, did you know that you can help the Wyoming Agriculture Podcast continue to operate and produce new content for you in a very simple and painless way? That's right, it won't cost you anything extra beyond what you're already spending, and you can buy anything you'd like from cocoa butter to this really cool adapter I just seen somebody purchase. Uh, It was a DeWalt battery adapter. It basically plugs into your DeWalt batteries that would run your drills and such, uh, but allows you to charge your phone off of that battery. Pretty neat little uh, product there. Anyhow, uh, anything you want to buy on Amazon, you know, whether it's something I recommend or something you're going to buy anyway, if you're already spending the money, just follow my link first before you make that purchase. And on any qualifying purchases as an Amazon affiliate, I earn a small commission, and that helps to support the show and the work that we do here at the Wyoming Agriculture Podcast. All right, with our sponsorship out of the way, let's welcome Jesse to the show. Jesse, welcome.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, is there anything in your short intro that I missed or that you'd like to add before we get into the show?
0: No, that was a good introduction. Uh you know, my my profession is medicine, but uh I think my passion is nutrition, health, and agriculture. So I think this is a, a great way to express both those.
1: Excellent. And all three of those things fit really well together. I mean you can't really be healthy without a good diet and yeah. Yeah, good uh Good connection between all those three. Absolutely.
0: That's uh, really the reason how I got into this is, you know, uh, coming from an engineering background, uh, trying to figure out the problems of healthcare and health and uh, medicine in general. uh, You know, the majority of the things and the majority of the conditions that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, uh, probably 80 to 90 percent are chronic diseases. So things that uh, are not infectious in nature or um, uh, otherwise that they are really related to our lifestyles. Uh, So such as diabetes, uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, et cetera, and nutrition has a deep impact and uh, can either make those conditions better or make those conditions worse. And so my big uh, goal is to try and not only educate consumers but be able to provide them the tools uh, for my patients and other uh, people of Wyoming to be able to eat healthier and help improve their health overall. Uh, But kind of a secondary side effect of that is building the agricultural system and helping our farmers and ranchers and producers to be able to not only make a sustainable business, but grow healthy products and reach those, or get those uh, in the hands of uh, customers and consumers in Wyoming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, this is a bit of a tangent from the the notes I shared with you, um, but it's actually a large part of how I got into agriculture, uh, is this health and nutrition side of things. Uh, When I was younger, you know, of course, I, I got into gardening a little bit, and probably spent entirely too much time on the internet um and while I was at it you know i I ran into you know all these problems that seem to be you know at least preventable through health and nutrition um and I've got you know some some personal connections, I've got some diabetes in the family and and a few other chronic things and anyway, it kind of led me down the rabbit hole i you know fell into um kind of curious if you know anything about these camps of thought, if you will. But I fell into learning about the work of uh, Weston A. Price back in the 30s. And, uh, and that really led me down the rabbit hole of exactly how health and nutrition helps the body to form from the womb on up. And, uh, and I kind of looked at it like, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do to change the entire world, but maybe I can, you know, do something to help Wyoming get a little bit better by starting a farm and providing some quality food.
0: Absolutely. That's the same perspective that I took, you know, how you can't change the world except for changing yourself first and, uh, you know, trying to help not only yourself but the people around you and hopefully that reverberates out and, you know, be able to impact people on a larger scale uh, as these initiatives kind of take hold.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think we see, you know, a lot of the people that have the largest impact on the world tend to be those people that put their best foot forward and set the example. And-
0: no, absolutely, yeah, and, and, you know, that really takes, you know, Weston A. Price, uh, he's got some great literature and great evidence, and, you know, his research that he did uh, uh, is, is excellent, and, you know, I spent a lot of time reading his works, too, and uh, feel very uh, confident that he was on the right direction, and some of our uh, more processing techniques and processed foods uh, are leading us down these roads, you know, they're uh, energy-dense but nutritionally depleted, And uh, we need to move in a different direction and make sure that we are getting uh, adequate nutrition but uh, um, adequate uh, caloric density at the same time. You know, obesity is an epidemic. I'm an obesity medicine specialist, and that's one of the biggest things that we are dealing with is that, uh, you know, these obese people, it may look like they're overweight and maybe consuming a lot, but, you know, they're trying to uh, lose weight, but their bodies are not letting them. And uh, having adequate nutrition is one way uh, to help not only improve obesity, but all of the other chronic diseases I mentioned—heart disease, uh, diabetes—you um, know, even liver disease with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and you know, high blood pressure, etc.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious in your practice, have you have you really seen any, I guess, case studies or individuals that have drastically changed their diet and and seen some really wonderful improvements and from switching back to whole foods?
0: No, absolutely. Getting getting people, you know, at the very first step is educating them on what's the appropriate thing to eat. Many people have never heard about this before, never have any guidance or nutritional education uh, about what is appropriate to eat, uh, what are the appropriate ways to do that. So, uh, you know, that's really the first step that I try with all of my patients. And many of them that really grasp a hold of it and, and kind of uh, run with the, that education, they begin making some really big lifestyle changes. And I've had... You know, patients lose hundreds of pounds, uh, you know, who are overweight, couldn't walk very well, their knees hurt, they had high blood pressure, you know, they've lost this weight, they're off medications now, uh, and they're, you know, much more healthier and happy. So, yeah, there's multiple case studies that I've had where, uh, you know, just a simple dietary change and exercise change in these people uh, have improved uh, significantly. And I can only imagine, you know, 40 years down the road, uh, the difference, between their health if they had not made those changes and, uh, now making these changes and where would they have be? been?
1: Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a beautiful story just to hear about. I'm sure witnessing it is a whole nother level. Um, absolutely. Yeah.
0: But you know, in getting, getting back to kind of, uh, the agriculture component that is the, the source of our health and, you know, the soil, uh, is really that, that foundation and, um, trying to help our farmers and ranchers be able to grow products, you know, as you probably know, and probably have interviewed people on this podcast, uh, farmers want to grow healthy food, you know, but they also want to make a living. And so trying to match those two things up, I think is the challenge that we're addressing of how can we make these, you know, farms and ranches profitable and sustainable for our, you know, small family farms, and allowing them to raise wholesome food at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the ticket. It's, uh, yeah, trying to find that way of healing the soil and being, you know, uh, ecologically sustainable while maintaining a financial sustainability. And that's definitely uh, the difficulty. So I guess with that, yeah, we'll try to get into what the podcast was originally about. I'm sure you and I could probably talk about nutrition and soil for a long time. (laughs) Um, So before we get into it, I do want to frame my questions correctly. So could you maybe describe for me and the listeners uh, a little bit about, about how eat wyoming and fresh foods is structured
0: yeah so i'll give you a little background uh as i had mentioned uh i got into this work probably in 2012 after really analyzing you know what are the problems that we're having with our health care system and uh our world in general and falling on nutrition is, is the lever that i really wanted to change uh you know Activity and exercise is a, another lever that we can pull, but a lot of people don't exercise right now. People eat all the time, and so it's, it's easier to replace a habit than to start a new habit for people, and so changing your diet is easier than implementing a new exercise routine, and so that's really the lever that I wanted to pull, uh, and uh, from that, I, uh, there's a couple organizations that I uh, am involved with to address some of these, these areas and issues. Uh, one is called the Casper Community Greenhouse Project. This is a nonprofit that we started, I, I believe it was in 2012, uh, and it was dual-pronged. There, there's two real reasons why we got this thing started. Number one, to tr- teach children early about nutritional education, where their food comes from, where it grows, how to grow it themselves, maybe get them involved in gardening. Uh, I remember as a kid getting, you know, going to a garden or having some of these field trips in elementary school and being so impacted by the experience of it versus just learning. And so uh, one of the aspects of, of this organization is building greenhouses at, at elementary schools. So teachers have a resource to uh, not only implement their curriculum, but then engage students in a different way. Instead of just sitting in a classroom, they could go out into a greenhouse where you have this uh, this wonderful feeling of living plants and things that are growing around you uh, and, and trying to impact them in a way where it, it really uh, Sets their idea of what could, what they could do, you know, when they grow up or you know grow older about potentially having a garden or eating healthy. Uh, and then the second aspect of that is we live in Wyoming, and we have a very very short growing season, and it's only about three months. You know, is, is the main staple of our growing season. Uh, and you know, to really make uh, Wyoming products available, particularly decreasing transportation, making sure nutritional quality is adequate for the product products that we're growing. Uh, season extension is necessary in Wyoming to really extend that growing season on the front end and the back end with the, you know, the goal of actually having some year-round production. And season extension in greenhouses that really way. So this is kind of an experimental um, project that we're working on, not only educating children about nutrition, but then uh, researching about season extension. And so that's one project that we're working on to do that. And, you know, it's really moving in. We've formed a wonderful relationship with uh, Banner Health and Wyoming Medical Center, and uh, they provided some land on the east side of Casper Uh, for our new project called Grow Casper which is an urban farm that we're developing in collaboration uh, with the hospital system and so I think this is not only an excellent collaboration the healthcare system understands the need of this and the necessity of it and we're starting to build this for the Casper community and then be an example for the rest of Wyoming and and the nation and and whole so uh, that's one project that we're working on Um, and analyzing the rest of you know kind of the food system Uh, We went around and talked with producers all around the state, and this was actually funded by a USDA grant in uh, 2014 that we received a planning grant through uh, the Local Food Promotion Program. And we were looking at how do we build, you know, one of the models that we identified was this model called the Food Hub, where it's an aggregation and distribution center. Uh, that you know allows producers to bring their products to it, and then we help find a market for them and then distribute them. So having the the capacity and the infrastructure necessary that maybe the farmers can't uh, build or have the the financing and funding to do it themselves, but we can sh- collectively share this infrastructure together. So we looked at trying to build one of these you know traditional hub and spoke uh, food hubs in the Toronto county. Well, uh, you know we went around the state, asked a bunch of producers what they wanted. And unfortunately, uh, you know, this traditional model wasn't feasible in the Toronto County or Wyoming in general because of the population's, um, uh, I won't say density, but the lack of density of our population in Wyoming. But then the geographical distribution, like people are spread out all over Wyoming. There's large distances between people and the markets. And so uh, where the production centers are and the markets are, there's a, there's a lot of space in between there. And so we received a, a follow-up grant to that to really look at more of this distributed network. So how can we build each one of these regions in Wyoming up in a way that their producers that are growing there can then access larger markets? And uh, that's, that's one of the things that we started looking into uh, and really focusing on the infrastructure component. You know, as I mentioned, we were speaking with all of these producers around Wyoming. They were continuing to tell us really three points. We have no transportation to be able to get to the markets. Uh, you know, I could only get to my local market you know, because I have it in my truck, and then uh, we could get it there. But I don't have any cold, refrigerator, or frozen transportation available for me to access other markets. So I really can't grow my business substantially. Uh, secondary, they didn't have the storage capacity in order to be able to you know, winter their products, to be able to sell them throughout the winter. So say root crops. They had to sell them all at once. And sometimes they go to the farmer's markets Uh, They're not sure if the market, people are actually going to show up or not. So, you know, they spend all day putting everything in their truck. They go to the the farmer's market, spend all day there. They sell, you know, a third of their goods, and then they've got all this stuff left over. And they don't have the storage capacity to, uh, you know, preserve it over a a period of time so they could reach their next farmer's market or a a market that they're trying to sell to. Uh, And so, you know, the transportation and storage capacity of the infrastructure component is one of the big things we heard from producers. Uh, and then thirdly, the last thing that we heard from them is we don't really understand how to market our product. Uh, we could go to our farmer's markets, but, uh, you know, I'm a farmer. I'm not a marketer, and I don't have a background, in that. I'm not an expert. What is social media? You know, and so this was one of the, the third component that we really focused on. And so uh, we received this third grant called the Farmer's Market Promotion Program grant through the USDA, um, and it's an implementation grant to really address these concerns for our producers. And uh, what we're doing, our objectives within this grant um, is to develop a transportation network around Wyoming where we could start uh, reaching, you know, being able to take produce from these uh, production centers in Wyoming and take them to the market where, you know, that these producers can have uh, sales and they could actually sell their product. With agriculture in general, there's high risk in growing a product, you know you put all your upfront investment into your product, you grow it all year long. You know, it could be uh, uh, attacked by blight or bugs or weather or et cetera. And then you lose all your crop before you've actually been able to make some revenue on it. And so being able to uh, work together in this way and find new markets for products and maybe even uh, sell the products before you know, they actually get to market. So looking at uh, business models like a CSA program, or uh, early purchasing prices on a wholesale level is trying to reduce that risk for our producers. And so, you know, that's one objective that we're looking at is being able to add this infrastructure component so we can help uh, producers reach markets and reduce that risk of growing uh, nutritional products.
1: Excellent. Um, additionally, you know, the other aspect is, is developing uh, a market for our producers
0: and being able to not only Um, help them advertise what products they have available and and really showcase what they're doing, but then uh, connect them with the different markets that are, you know, right now we're really focusing in Wyoming, so uh, the big market centers, you know, and right now that's really Casper, Sheridan, Cheyenne, Laramie, Jackson, uh, Lander. these are the big big areas that we're looking into uh, and, and trying to connect these producers all over the state into these different markets. Um, you know they don't have professional photography so that's something that we're there uh, that we're providing to them we're also doing something called uh, producer profiles where we're really highlighting who these producers are so when a customer goes to purchase their product they get to understand who this producer is they feel like they're connected a little bit they know exactly where their food is coming from if there's ever an issue they could always contact their producer back and you know these are ways that we've identified as our um, as as a way to help our producers market themselves. And, you know, with COVID coming in, uh, you know, a lot of farmers markets shut down. People weren't really going to those. People didn't want to go to farmers markets or go outside and interact with other people. And so e-commerce platforms really became the staple of that. Uh, And so with this grant, we developed a brand and an e-commerce platform called Eat Wyoming. And this is uh, a platform for producers to be able to sell their products and reach consumers all over Wyoming and be able to emphasize who they are and then utilize kind of these underlying transportation networks uh, and storage networks uh, in a way that they could get their product to the consumer that they're really wanting to and so that was really the the initiation and and birth of Eat Wyoming which is a website so it's just eatwyoming.com and it's uh, online farmers markets Uh, all producers are welcome to come join uh, you know, while we're um, you know underneath this grant, we are providing these producer profiles. We're providing uh, you know pictures and video, um, and uh, you know other marketing sources, and and utilizing uh, you know our distribution network to be able in our markets to be able to help these producers reach the markets they want to do. And so uh, that's really the how Eat Wyoming came about.
1: So Eat Wyoming uh, is. Uh... Basically, just your online sellers market, if you will, or or website for the fresh foods distribution.
0: Exactly. Okay. Yep. And so it's the e-commerce platform that we created as an online farmers market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wyoming has unique uh, uh, legislation and and policy regarding local foods, and this was a way to really navigate that realm, try and reduce the overhead cost for our producers, but still be able to market their their goods in a professional way to consumers around Wyoming
1: that's awesome yeah and I uh, I haven't published this this yet but I was doing some rambling while I was driving the other day and the uh, the distribution as you say is definitely a big challenge in Wyoming you know if you look like back east or somewhere where there's a little more population it's like you have a you know a town every 5-10 miles or whatever And when you're in that sort of environment, you know, it's relatively easy to fund distribution because you don't have a whole lot of transportation costs to get to that next market of 10,000 plus people. Whereas in Wyoming, you know, we have a few hundred miles between these population centers and these people that are trying to farm or ranch in the more rural areas, they have to find a way of getting to those population centers um, because it's not really feasible for them to to try to drive there all the time you know i mean it just adds a lot of cost to their goods um yeah so definitely an exciting thing that we're that you're doing there well we're i'm kind of driving i guess so i can say that (laughs) um so is is fresh foods is it like a non-profit board or is it a business that runs the operation how does that work
0: yeah so you know you you really hit on on the other component that we're working on, which is the transportation and storage component.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we developed uh, a, a business. It's called Fresh Foods Wyoming, and we organized it underneath this unique uh, platform that's, um, you know, in Wyoming called the Low Profit Limited Liability Company. Okay. And uh, this is kind of the bridge for social organizations to develop. And, you, you know, it's kind of the divide or the middle ground between a for-profit LLC, and a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So in a low-profit, limited liability company, you have to have a social, social uh, aim and a social objective as your number one uh, uh, component of the business. Making profit cannot be the number one uh, objective of the business. You know, those are secondary mm-hmm. in order for the business to be able to run. But our social mission is to provide the resources necessary for Wyoming producers to be able to access larger markets and so that's what we're really doing with Fresh Foods Wyoming Um, and our main component right now is transportation and we're starting to branch out into storage capacity for producers to be able to have refrigerated and frozen storage capacity Um, and then the the kind of uh, operational component on top of that is doing some of this matchmaking and so you know we uh, Leanne actually is um, she's our you know, value chain facilitator is the, the terminology uh, in, in the sphere uh, is termed. But um, being able to, you know, reach out and who, who are the people in Wyoming and, and regionally that are interested in Wyoming-grown products and local foods, and then being able to say, oh, I've got this person that grows these wonderful microgreens, or we've got these excellent raspberries that come during this part of the season, or we've got this, you know, really great beef. And be able to say, okay, I'm going to be able to find what volume is necessary, uh, for you to sustain and see what this producer can do and be able to connect those two together and actually do some matchmaking saying, okay, we've identified a market and we know of a product that, uh, that we can, you know, capitalize on that market. And so those are the components of what Fresh Foods Wyoming is. It's kind of the, the overall overarching umbrella of some of these, this other work that we're doing right now. You know, it is really the foundation and necessity that is needed in Wyoming is developing this infrastructure, storage capacity and transportation, you know, processing is kind of a third component of that that we can get into a little bit later if needed. Um, But that's what we're trying to achieve right now. And, you know, we, you know, we have a refrigerated van that we're taking all over the state and being able to make these these connections. Uh, of, you know, different markets and different wholesalers and et cetera with the producers that, you know, are participating with us. And uh, it's proven extremely successful, and it's continuing to grow, and uh, we're, we're very excited about what our next steps are of, you know, developing some storage capacity, uh, not only, you know, centrally located where we are in Casper, Wyoming, but being able to do this kind of distributed network uh, around Wyoming. And so, uh, you know, in the, in the terminology, it's the first-mile distribution problem. How do we accomplish that first mile? How do we get it from the field to that first storage location that maybe all of these producers can share? And so that's what we're trying to, uh, um, you know, accomplish and tackle with, uh, you know, this problem. How do we, you know, say the Big Bighorn Basin? How do we find a location? How do we build storage capacity that all the producers around there can utilize? And so this transportation network that we're developing can go to one location, and pick up all the products from those producers instead of going to you know six or ten other locations and and try and inc- increase the efficiency of not only the storage capacity but the transportation capacity. And then how can we replicate uh, that model around the state in these different regions and really prove to be you know maybe the solution for rural America and this transportation and distribution conundrum that we're do- that we're you know facing right now. Uh, yeah, with, I mean, if with, we... With COVID, we saw some significant uh, supply chain disruptions mm-hmm. and, you know, in order to really overcome that in the future or even, you know, currently, we need to have a resilient supply chain. And one way to do that is, is through a distributed network. And, you know, that's what we're trying to accomplish now. Uh, you know, we're we'll, we're kind of testing the feasibility. Is this something that we can actually do that is sustainable? Um, and allows our producers to continue to grow and, and sustain their operation? Or do we need to look at a different model? You know, I'm very, um, I have uh, promised that this is a good model that we can develop and that will be ideal for Wyoming and hopefully other places in uh, rural America as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if I can uh, definitely say that I think the low-profit model that you're pursuing, um, this is a good fit for it. You know, a lot of the times the nonprofit and low-profit uh realms in the marketplace they're really good for achieving these social changes that maybe at the moment the market can't bear fully um, but it can really help to iron out like what the market really needs and you know either for yourself in the future or other organizations around the country um, you know it, it kind of helps to kind of fill out the edges and define exactly where in the market this need is. And and so how if you, to if achieve you look at
0: the Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Oh no. You got um, it. If, if you look at the food dollar, mm-hmm. you know how much is actually going to the producer. It's a very very small portion of the food dollar that's actually reaching their pockets. Right. And over a period of time, when we've navigated away from you know this kind of directed consumer uh, uh, market, we've we've transitioned that food dollar more into these wholesalers or distributors and these kind of third party vendors in the middle of it who are consuming it a large, large portion of that food dollar, and then we got retailers on the other side. And, you know, with this low-profit, limited-liability company in Fresh Foods Wyoming, we're trying to be this transparent organization that's providing that infrastructure support that those third-party vendors were doing previously, but allowing the food dollar to, you know, traverse through us and go to the producer, who really is putting all of the work in. You know, they're growing the product, they're taking on the majority of the risk, And they're the ones that are really passionate that we should be trying to uh, encourage and support. And so that's what the goal of Fresh Foods Wyoming is, is to provide this infrastructure and do it in a way that is low profit, that we are not consuming a large portion of the food dollar, but allowing that food dollar to pass through uh, the organization and get to the producers on the end.
1: Excellent. Yeah. And, And when farmers are more well paid, you know, they're less likely to be depressed. They're more likely to take good care of their soils which in turn is going to lead to you know, healthier ecosystems, uh, which will spur the entire economy, of course, as everything starts with the soil, but it also helps to really address that nutrition problem. Um, nutritional density, as I'm sure you know, really comes from healthy plants and healthy soils. And so allowing that money to transfer to the producer, I think is, yeah, it's, it's a very effective goal or a method for achieving you know the overall goal. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the points I make all the time is would you rather uh, purchase a little more expensive food or pay a medical bill later on in life? You know, and, and the medical bills are always more expensive.
1: Mm hmm. And a lot less predictable.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You can actually budget yeah. for higher quality food. It's really hard to budget for a $55,000 hospital trip. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: and one of the other problems we're facing is this aging farmer population. You know, Uh so how do we make it more enticing for uh, a younger generation to come in uh, and really take over our food production, uh, you know, not only in Wyoming but America in general? And and part of that is is to make it uh, a profession that is, you know, you could have a a living wage Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to get, you know, a little uh, higher-value product, um, something that they could actually put their effort into and develop their soils that we 're not doing this uh, huge crop production and high yield, and that 's what our only focus is, but growing a quality product versus a qu- quantity of product, and you know that really comes with a little higher price it 's going down to the producers, and the consumers pay a little bit more, but you know the value is there, being able to connect where you, you know your food is coming from, having a higher safety profile that you 're not getting some you know unknown lettuce from a weird place that has salmonella all over it you know exactly where it came from you know they're not using those types of uh you know large crop uh production systems and then being able to know that you're eating this nutritional product on the end
1: yeah yeah well and i think like you know for me being a younger farmer uh part of what got me into farming i guess is this this notion and this idea that farming should be respectable again um it wasn't really the idea of driving a tractor around 10,000 acres to farm one crop that really excited me. It was the idea of looking at successful farmers like J.M. Fortier, Elliot Coleman, uh, Sepp Holzer in Austria. You know, people that were doing something a little more holistic in their approach, and they were paying themselves for it. They weren't broke. They weren't living in a shack. You know, they they had a good living and a good life, and it was fulfilled while they were serving people with quality food and I think that's a lot of what comes down to trying to get younger people into farming you know I mean if you if you're a young person and you look at farming and say you know all you do is work hard and you make nothing it's really hard to entice yourself into that Um, whereas if you can make a decent living and and do something good as an aside while you're at it you know then it becomes a much more enticing thing
0: no, absolutely. Yeah, you you know, you're not going to become a billionaire uh, having a family farm, but you could reach a sustainable component where you could raise a family, you could have a nice house, you could feel financially secure, and be able to do something you're passionate about, and make and and do something that you feel like you're making an impact on the world. And so, you know, I think those are really things that can be fulfilled within agriculture and, and farming in general, and ranching. Um, you know, and being able to get it to a place where you could hit, you know, those kind of five components. Um, is really encouraging for, you know, up-and-coming producers or people that may be interested, uh, you know, and saying, oh, what do I want to do with my life? Well, maybe I could get into farming. Uh, And instead of being deterred of, like, oh, I can never make a living at that, you know, they could understand, yeah, there's actually a a possibility that I can make a living at this and I could find my niche inside of this community.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Let's see, before we move on a little bit, uh, you... You probably went over how everything was funded to begin with, um, and you're currently, how are you, like, how are you currently funded? Does that make sense? I mean, you're a lower profit. Are you mostly bringing in money through your distribution, or is it currently riding mostly on grants?
0: So uh, Fresh Foods Wyoming is uh, is separated from, you know, Eat Wyoming and stuff like that. So Eat Wyoming is, is funded federally through a, a USDA grant right now and really being able to provide these resources to producers, you know, marketing res- resources, transportation resources. And then, you know, the last component is trying to bring this coalition together in in a way that we have an organizing body that can help, you know, continue this beyond our grant period. Um, Fresh Foods Wyoming is uh, done kind of on a wholesale level. And so uh, that operation is funded through, um, you know, being able to uh, just basically add on a, an additional fee to the, to the end consumer basically. So, uh, purchasing product or having a transportation fee for the products that we're transporting is, is how that, so it's a traditional business model of, um, it's kind of cost plus basically.
1: Okay. And that's probably li- likely not to change a whole lot in the future because it seems like a pretty sustainable model.
0: Yeah. You know, and scalable. In, in all of agriculture, the margins are so tight mm-hmm. that volume is really where you reach the profitability. And so, uh, we're trying to get it to a place where we have these regular routes that pro- producers know that we're running them, and so that they could start ramping up their scale of the production to be able to, you know, reach these other markets, and then hopefully, uh, you know, as this continues on, that uh, we'll have, you know, basically full of trucks running, you know, weekly or even, even biweekly to be able to, uh, you know, reach these markets and kind of, the the real uh, stepping stone is getting into these wholesale markets. So how do we get into grocery stores and restaurants and uh, kind of these, these, you know, schools and, and cafeterias? Because that's the volume that we need in order to not only make the transportation route sustainable, but hit the volumes necessary that everyone is uh, making sure that they're sustainable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that actually kind of leads or segues pretty well into kind of a question I had on the, the distribution side of things. Um, let's see, where'd I have it on here? Okay. Um, so right now this is, this seems to me like a service that can kind of benefit both the small producer and the large producers alike. Um, do you see that maybe there's like a reasonable threshold that a farmer should reach within their own business before they seek to approach a distributor such as yourself?
0: Yeah. You know, the, the pipeline that we've kind of lined out or laid out is that, you know, we want to be able to help the producer get to whatever level that they feel comfortable of expanding to. So, you know, really at the, the the bottom part of that is, you know, being able to grow a product, sell it to your friends and family, you know, and then you actually start making it, uh, you know, you start having some consistency with your product and growing that product. And you're like, okay, maybe I'll sell it at my local farmer's market and being able to help, you know, our producers connect into their local farmer's market and, you know, that's. Uh, weekly or, you know, maybe you're selling every other week because that's what your production cycle is um, and being able to go there and, and, you know, start getting into the commerce of of doing that and uh, maybe even, you know, moving on beyond that and doing kind of an e-commerce site where people can, you know, purchase your product before you go to the farmer's market. And then, you know, you start ramping up your scale and uh, you're going to the farmer's market and you're selling out, but you still have a little bit extra that you want to sell somewhere else. And so, that's where I think you would come to uh, a distributor like us um, that really looking at more of that infrastructure component you know, throughout this entire pipeline you know the marketing component is always going to be there but you know when you start growing that you're you're producing more than you are selling at your local farmers market saying hey is there another market uh, locally or regionally that I would be able to you know sell the rest of my product into and that's when you would come to us and we would help kind of do that matchmaking with you guys uh, so say oh yeah you're growing, um, you know, lettuce and Cody, and you've saturated that market. But we know that Sheridan has a, you know, a, a great uh, uh, demand for, you know, local lettuce and products. And so we're going to help you transport your good from, you know, Cody to Sheridan to be able to access those markets. So, um, you know, your excess product can be sold. Um, so say you keep growing and expanding, and and you've really identified a good market outside of your region and some of the other regions in Wyoming, and you're like. Actually, I want to be able to continue to grow this and really hone down and find my niche in, you know, whatever product that you're growing. I'd like to see if I could do this statewide, not only just one region, but all the regions in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of that next level. And then looking into, oh, how can I actually get this uh, into kind of the the states around Wyoming? How can I sell into Montana? How can I sell into South Dakota? How can I sell into, um, you know, Colorado and Utah? and be able to reach these larger markets. And that would be more of the kind of this wholesale level that we'd be talking about. And then, you know, further down the pipeline, and this is kind of the aspirations of uh, the Wyoming legislature and some of those organizations like the Wyoming Business Council, how do we help our producers in Wyoming then access national markets? And, and then beyond that, international markets. And so, you know, they formed a relationship with Taiwan, particularly for beef, Uh, to be able to, you know, develop a relationship where Wyoming agriculture can sell into these international markets. And so, you know, that's, that's a huge scale. And we want to line that pathway for our producers to say, we are here for you to support you through each one of those transitions. When you're like when you're ready to sell regionally, you know, we're here to help you. When you're ready to expand into wholesale, we're here to help you. If you if you want to go nationally, we're here to help you. And if you want to go internationally, we have the contacts to be able to help you do that expansion as well. And so, you know, to answer your question more directly, I think after you kind of get moving and and actually have a consistent product and you're selling in the farmer's market and have the idea to expand your operation, that's really where our services come into uh, play to be able to say, okay, here's some of the best practices that we've used and that other producers have used in the past. And here's kind of the components of the infrastructure necessary: so the marketing infrastructure, and then storage uh, and transportation capacity
1: to be able to uh, make sure your market or excuse me, your product gets to market safely. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of that's kind of what I've perceived as well. As it seems to be a really excellent uh, intermediate option for people. You know, as a as a small farmer myself, you know, if I'm looking at growing from the bottom up um it's it's a pretty achievable thing to move from you know selling to your friends and family to a farmer's market and then maybe even adding a website or something to that but when you start thinking about distribution you know it's a really big step up at this point in time to go from a farmer's market to you know having a semi-truck pull in and take your product away you know it's a massive leap there and so what you're what you're doing with fresh foods wyoming i think really helps farmers to just kind of step up as they're able.
0: Absolutely. I think if farmers, you know, farmers have to make that investment. They're investing in their operation and their products and, you know, their seeds and their soil and, and the actual operation of what they're growing. Mm-hmm. But now they have to expand their investment into uh, a refrigerated vehicle or a refrigerated truck or, you know, uh, even storage capacity. I have to build a giant refrigerator to be able to house my my products, you know. and so that capacity and that investment in an operation, that is a, you know, a, a leap up, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's not just a gradual incline. That's something, okay, now I may, I'm becoming really serious. Uh, maybe I'll have to take on debt in order to actually, you know, purchase these, this infrastructure. And am I going to actually have a market that sells it so I could pay my debts off? And so that is a huge risk. There's uh, a lot of um, unknowns in that. And so we're trying to bridge those gaps. Uh, for our producers, so they don't have to make that giant infrastructure leap. That we're trying to bridge that gap and lower the overhead costs for our producers to be able to scale up as necessary.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's—I mean—that's part of the the spine of an entrepreneur, I guess. Is no matter what you're doing, you're always taking that risk. Um, and there might be some false perception that when you get five, ten years down the road in a business, it's easier, but. I'm hearing more and more that a lot of producers are finding, no, it's actually harder. You're just doing it on a larger scale. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so that's one of the things that really excites me about that, I guess. Um, Let's see. How long have you guys been working at this, uh, this whole endeavor? So we got into, you know, The
0: inception of this idea came probably nine or ten years ago of of really getting into it and the the initial spark to start investigating this and and trying to solve these problems. Um, I think we've been working and doing some transportation and trying to, you know, aggregate products for about eight years now, I think, uh, from, you know, different farms in Wyoming, and that's continued to grow over that period of time. Uh, And over the last, you know, definitely the last three years, but probably over the last five years, we begin to see uh, some substantial foothold and expansion. And not only the amount of producers that we're working with, uh, but also the transportation component that we are uh, being able to actually uh, transport a large amount of goods around the state into these different markets. And now we're having, you know, wholesalers come out to us and say, hey, I'm interested in this. Uh, how can you help us? And so uh, this year, particularly, we've really reached that next threshold to find these wholesale markets and be able to channel and funnel our producers' products into these wholesale markets to allow them to say, hey, we have a market. It's not guaranteed, but it's, it's going to reduce the risk for you. If you could scale up to reach these markets, it's going to be excellent for you. And it's really going to help the producers that are interested reach that next uh, scalability level for sustainability.
1: Nice. Um, let's see. So, I wanted to ask you a little bit um, specifically about the greenhouse operation just to kind of get a little bit of that onto the show. Um, so, I got a few questions on that. Let's, uh, I guess you've probably already gone over it a little bit, but maybe just give us a, a brief synopsis or overview of the greenhouse operation.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, we have this nonprofit, Casper Community Greenhouse Project. Uh, with the real goal is to uh, educate people about how to grow their own food and do it in a way that we could support season extension. Uh, and then kind of that uh, underlying component is how do we research what is the best type of season extension that we can do for Wyoming in order to expand our growing season. And so, you know, the the methods we'll be looking into is what's an ideal um, uh, growing, you know, greenhouse. What is what would be the most ideal for your particular product? Okay, what is the most low-cost solution that we can do? You know, maybe you have a, um, so for instance, you want to have a um, a year-round greenhouse that you can grow stuff all year round, uh, but you don't want to put a huge energy cost into You don't want to be paying for electricity or gas in order to heat it. So how do we uh, build a system that we can develop that actually maintains and, and utilizes you know, uh, passive solar energy or, you know, other types of techniques in order to allow producers to say, here's a model that we've shown that it's a low cost. This is how much it's going to cost for you to build it. Here's the tools and, and materials that you'll need to do it. And then here's the types of things that you can grow. You know, here's the zone that it changes it into, you know, during this particular season. Or, you know, on the other edge of that, how do we, how do we decrease our zone, enough that we can grow more tropical plants or plants mm-hmm. that it cannot be grown in Wyoming so how do we grow bananas or you know how do we grow citrus fruit in a greenhouse and so trying to expand in these different ways of uh, what is the potential of Wyoming how can we do this and so you know those are the different um, investigations that we're looking into as well as season extension. so how do we help producers uh... extend their season how do we help them get starts going earlier on so they could actually bear fruit you know during the growing season and be able to have a good production for a longer period of time or how do we extend that into the fall where we're able to you know keep some cold uh crop production going in into november or december in a way that would be um, we'd be able to continue that market and so these are the the obstacles that we've identified and some of the solutions that we're looking to you know help producers uh expand into these different regions and you know we've identified uh, a large amount of greenhouse productions or producers around the state. So there's Papa Joe's up in Sheridan that has a a great um raft system, you know, hydroponic raft system that they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're also growing tomatoes, uh and some herbs and different things of that sort. You know, there's Vertical Harvest up in Jackson that uh is, is a hydroponic system, uh a very unique uh design and a very unique business model that they're really hiring uh socially disadvantaged workers to, you know, run these greenhouses or you know Bob Jordan up in Gillette, who um, has his own system for growing lettuces and et cetera. That's uh, very unique. And so, trying to identify these producers that are trying to expand these different operations, seeing you know here's an example of this or here's an example of that, and trying to not only stimulate our producers' minds and seeing what's possible, but then what's also feasible for them to do. And you know, trying to use the Casper Community Greenhouse Project as um, kind of the research hub. Four-season extension, and then these different examples around Wyoming to say this is how it's actually being applied.
1: Nice, yeah. So basically, to yeah, give you the research to make informed uh, recommendations for people that are trying yeah. to.
0: And you know, when when Grow Casper gets up and running, producers can come and see it. Oh, okay, I see how this operation is running. That we could, you know, one of our big components within the Casper Community Greenhouse Project is education. So not only educating you know, uh, children about nutritional quality, but then the rest of the community and our agricultural community about, you know, here's here's what we're doing, here's what we've experimented with, here's what we've explored, and here's what's working for us. Uh, here's our plans to do it, and here's how we built it. You know, this is something that you may be able to implement uh, in your production facility. You know, whatever scale that is. If you're If you're a giant commercial facility, maybe that's not going to be feasible for you to do uh, a small greenhouse that's, you know, uh, now zone 3 and mm-hmm. you're uh, you know, growing citrus or something.
1: Right. Um let's see. What was Oh, have you guys looked into, have you seen uh I can't remember the guy's name, but CRMPI down in Colorado? It's the Central Rocky Mountain so. Permaculture Institute. Um the reason I bring them up is they have a it's a um what do they call it? An earth battery greenhouse? But essentially they're using earth tubes and uh forced air to maintain a constant temperature in the soil and the air. And uh and they've been growing tropical plants up there and I think they're at like seven thousand feet or something like that, or maybe ten or eleven up in the Rocky Mountains down yeah, there. Yeah,
0: that's that's actually one of the first greenhouses that we'll be developing at the the Grow Casper facility, mm-hmm. uh, is the North Battery because it's it's very, very low cost. You have you know, the cost of basically operating the fans that are going to push the forced air through, uh, you know, your, your tubing that goes through in the earth. But uh, it's a very, very successful model that's been uh, tested in in places that are similar to Wyoming. You know, I know there's a really great one in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the ones in Colorado that I I have seen that now that you mentioned it, and they're up in the mountains or around 7000 feet, which is like Laramie, you know, for us here. Right. Um, But I think that's a very successful model as well as, you know, passive solar with you know uh, uh, water is kind of its uh, uh, solar container.
1: Using thermal um, batteries. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, yep. And so those are. I think the earth battery is the most feasible. Um, you know, you have a little bit of an un- upfront cost with the supplies and the labor to actually lay the piping. But after that, you know, it's relatively low cost to be able to continue to operate that. And, you know, it allows that good buffer of, of regulating the temperature, which is the, one of the most difficult things in a greenhouse.
1: Yeah, those have been the, the best greenhouse I've I've seen so far. Um, I was always, you know, I liked the wallapenies when I was younger. Uh, there was a guy, a dairy farmer down in uh, Chugwater that tried to implement one of those. And he very quickly had issues with snow weight and... uh and I don't think he ever got to actually finishing it. Um, but yeah, those earth tubes, they definitely show a lot of promise. You know, there is a little bit of an operating cost to them, but it's its pretty minimal. And most of your money is in, you know, construction itself. And they seem to be, the big thing is that they're, they're very reliable. And so you see a lot of farmers that are able to produce uh, crops without having to worry about You know a lot of maintenance as far as maintaining the temperature going out at night checking on this or that um and and getting into the earth battery with the water you know that really fits well with aquaponic and hydroponic systems where you have a lot of water anyway uh so there's definitely some some very intriguing things that come with those greenhouses um what did what are you guys trying to grow in the in the greenhouses are you just trying to work with anything and everything you can to kind of showcase it or do you have specific crops you're looking at
0: well, yeah, so, um, you know, ideally, the, the benefit, the initial step or kind of our first phase is to, to do season extension for start crops. So to be able to have it where we could start crops early by the time, you know, after the first frost, and we have some good, you know, robust uh, starts that we can put into the ground for our community gardens. You know, that's really what we're going to be using the greenhouses initially. Uh, uh, kind of our, our next step is to be able to allow our, Uh, Community garden participants to overwinter a lot of their their plants and products in these greenhouses, and so being able to provide this resource that we can have these buffers for our our community. Um, Secondary to that, you know, what are the most uh, you know number one? Look at what are the most profitable uh, plants and products that can be grown, uh, you know, and be able to explore those and say, you know, for our producers, hey, this is something that we found out. This is a way that we've been able to grow it. And this is something that you know maybe a, a niche product that you can get into you know uh and then be able to expand onto that and look at more kind of these uh uh niche developments you know is citrus something that we can grow here that's more of just a uh a doubt that you'd be able to uh sustainably build a greenhouse and grow citrus in a way that would be profitable but it'd be interesting just to see of uh, you know what are the different variations that you can do mm-hmm. you know and then there's you know a bunch of different um you know, niche plants that you can look into that may be feasible or may not, you know, and something that we can try and grow in a greenhouse here that may not be able to uh, be grown outside in Wyoming.
1: Well, and some of those crops, you know, they might not be directly up front profitable, but they could be an adjunct to create profitability within the business. Like you look at, uh, I don't really know how the guy in Nebraska operates, but, you know, he, you're always seeing things shared about him growing citrus in Nebraska. And so that's at least getting his name out there. Maybe it's bringing people to the farm to check it out, in which case he can sell them other products or, you know, his designs or whatever he's working on. Um, or like the, you know, the guy with CRMPI, bringing people there to learn from him and and be interns, you know, and, and work on their, their educational uh, mission, if you will. Um, so some of these, you know, these specialty crops might not be, Directly profitable, but they could really help to draw people into your, you know, into your process or into your operation.
0: Yeah, you're you're really talking about how do you market yourself a little bit more and have some of these uh, secondary streams of income so these producers can remain sustainable. You know, mm-hmm. the educational component, or you know, really highlighting yourself. Yeah, this is a you know we were able to grow citrus here in the mountains of Wyoming, uh, or you know kind of looking into, you know, what are the value-added crops that you can do with it or um, some of the agritourism stuff that, uh, you know, comes along with that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the questions I had with this, what do you feel would really help to springboard this part of your operation onto the next level?
0: Uh, The greenhouse production? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, right now we're in a capital campaign fundraising uh, for the Grow Casper facility, uh, being able to not only... Um, you know, try and find funding to be able to build these facilities, but then the you know the manpower, the volunteer hours, people that are interested in the Casper community that want to come out and and participate or uh, want to have a, a community garden spot themselves and be able to utilize these resources. Um, you know, our website's uh, growcasper.com. Uh, you know, it's got all the information about the organization on there uh, about what the Grow Casper operation is. Uh, You know, there's different volunteer events, and and if you want to donate, there's an ability to donate on the website as well. And so that's probably the best way to get involved with us. You know, Leanne is the executive director of that organization, um, and reaching out to her, um, you know, she's a a wealth of knowledge and a great resource to be able to uh, help connect, you know, people that are interested in these types of activities and uh, maybe some volunteer activities or just interest in general with season extension and growing.
1: Excellent. All right. Um, So let's move on to, I guess, the distribution network. Now, this is the part that excites me the most, um, partially because I drive for it, but also for reasons we already talked about. Uh, I just really think the distribution is a monumental challenge for small-scale producers in our state, and I love that you're doing something to help with that. Um, So we've talked about it already, but is there anything that we've maybe missed in your vision for fresh foods and your vision for local distribution within the state?
0: Yeah, so, you know, right now we're really at the the transportation component. So we have refrigerated transportation. uh, We're getting into some regular cycles around the state to be able to reach into these different markets. So uh, routes into Jackson, routes into the Bighorn Basin, up north into the Sheridan and Gillette area, down south into the Cheyenne and Laramie area. Uh, And so we're really making that transportation network pretty robust and reliable and sustainable right now. The next section we're going to be moving into is expanding into these this storage capacity. How do we actually build this storage capacity to accomplish uh, and you know uh, find a, a solution to the first mile distribution problem uh, and be able to help producers be able to aggregate and share these resources in a way around the state? So uh, we're working with economic development agencies um, throughout the state to try and identify locations, um, identify producers who are interested, identify funding to actually build these these facilities and so that's kind of the next component we're working and, and moving into and then how do we actually reach this uh, transportation component into wholesale and then be able to connect into these larger markets you know if if we're able to build this uh, system that's robust enough that we can tap into and and supply Denver or Fort Collins or Salt Lake City and Rapid City and Idaho Falls and Billings that really reaches the capacity that we have a, a, a real robust network that allows our producers to scale to the level that they really want to.
1: Excellent. Um, are there currently any limitations on what sort of products you're willing to distribute for producers or businesses in Wyoming? Sorry, you like, Yeah. So
0: Go ahead. We're mainly uh, commodity crops and specialty crops right now, and so things that need re- um, uh, refrigerated storage capacity or refrigerated transportation. Uh, it is a little more challenging with frozen uh, Capacity right now, but we've been able to navigate that with coolers to make sure uh, temperatures are sustainable. Uh, but that's that's one of the limitations: is large volume frozen capacity that um, we're looking into right now. And then obviously, uh, you know, we just have one refrigerated van, so we could only we only have a set amount that we could transport at one time. Uh, as soon as this network becomes uh, robust enough that we may need a second van or a larger uh, truck to be able to do that. That's kind of where we'd be looking into. So our limitations right now uh, is uh, making sure adequate temperature control, uh, but then also volume. So when we reach that kind of next plateau that there's too much that we can transport, then we'd have to look into how do we expand this, this uh, infrastructure that we're developing.
1: Okay. Um, And it obviously the title of the business is fresh foods, Wyoming, Uh, Are there particular reasons you wouldn't move, you know, say somebody's homemade soaps or something like that?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, we are really focusing on uh, foods and nutritional foods for the reasons that we kind of laid out at the beginning of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, part of farmer's markets is kind of these value-added products. And so uh, right now with our grant, we're not really focusing on uh, transporting those types of items. But... Uh, It is something that we can discuss with producers if they are interested. We would like to try and keep them as uh, close to possible from a a producer standpoint. So, you know, um, honeycomb soaps or, you know, uh, um, soaps made with milk or et cetera, trying to uh, keep it where we can identify products that uh, are value added on top of the production of of a normal uh, consumable food
1: yeah so mostly you know sort of products that might come from a farm themselves and not say you know like a i don't know doterra oils or something like that that's a multi yeah, and
0: right now we're really focusing on wyoming grown products mm-hmm. products that were you know ingredients from Wyoming uh with producers that are from Wyoming and sell into wyoming markets and so that's really uh what the e-commerce platform is is set up right now is to really highlight what can be done in Wyoming. The people growing in Wyoming, the products from Wyoming, and the products that are being you know made in Wyoming as well. So,
1: excellent. Um, so you mentioned the grant. Is that something that's going to be up soon, or is it uh, got a long ways to go still, or? Yeah, so
0: we're in the third year uh, of a three-year grant um, mm. with the Farmers Market Promotion Program. It ends in September, and so uh, we've we've reached a. significant, significant sustainability, we've, we've expanded significantly over this last three years of doing it. Um, you know, the really first year was developing the Wyoming Food Coalition, the second year was really uh, moving into the transportation, and this third year we're really focusing on the marketing component. And so uh, with all three of those together, I think um, after this grant period we're going to be able to continue to expand in a very sustainable way and, uh, you know, hopefully be able to uh, continue to uh, educate the consumers of Wyoming. And be able to provide the service to the uh, producers as well.
1: Excellent. Um, what are the routes that you guys are currently servicing?
0: Yeah, so uh, we're based in Casper, which is kind of the central uh, location. We are running um, routes uh, through Shoshone into the Bighorn Basin. We are running uh, routes up into Sheridan and Gillette and then back to Casper. We're running routes through Riverton, Lander, the Fremont County area, up into Jackson. And we're also running routes uh, down into Laramie and Cheyenne as well. And so, uh, you know, over the summer, we're going to be doing those weekly. So if there's a producer that has a product that wants to transport into these different regions or wants to jump out of Wyoming and sell some product into these different regions uh, or is interested in trying to sell their product into the wholesale level, um, that's where uh, our routes are being run. And, uh, you know, at least particularly over the last month, we've been, Uh, transporting a significant amount of goods and and making these connections with not only great producers, but also great wholesalers in Wyoming.
1: Excellent. And that could probably help uh, producers in smaller areas as well, say, I mean, like Powder River, we pass through there, Um, presuming there's somebody there that's producing and maybe wants their product to hit Shoshone or some of these other markets, it might could help them as well, I'd imagine, huh?
0: Absolutely. You know, reaching out to us and saying, hey, you know, I'm selling this product, uh, you know, I've I've found this this market that I've sold it into, but I just don't have the transportation to get it there. And saying, you know, this is where I live. Maybe we can meet here on your guys's route, and we could pick it up and be able to help them get it to that that next level. And so that's once again that first mile distribution problem that we're trying to achieve is how do we get it from the producer's fields uh, to market, and you know, be able to pick it up at that same time. So uh, you know, reaching out through us through the um, uh, uh, one of our uh, websites, see Wyoming or uh, but reaching out to Leanne, uh, we could provide uh, her contact information as well. She's the veggie lady. Um, you know, so those are the ways to really get it connected with us and then be able to see if, if there's a way that, uh, you know, this infrastructure that we're developing can help your operation expand.
1: Excellent. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely include some of that contact info in the show notes and at the end here. Um, are you looking to expand those routes at all or maybe just add an additional route or two to the mix in the future?
0: Yeah, so... Um, You know, the routes right now are hitting the majority of our regions. Mm -hmm. The one region that we haven't hit is kind of the I-80 corridor that uh, is beyond Laramie. So that would be Rollins, Rock Springs, Green River, Evanston, uh, and then trying to hit kind of that western edge of the state, you know, up into Star Valley and Alpine. Um, You know, those are the areas that we're really not covering right now Mm -hmm. and hopefully be able to cover in the future. You know, it's going to be a logistical challenge, um, you know, just geographically, to hit those targets. And there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a huge market in those areas and there's not a lot of production that we've identified. Uh, But I anticipate if we start uncovering, there's going to be more producers than we thought initially. Um, You know, and so that's one area that we're going to try and do expand into, particularly if we could get into wholesale markets in Salt Lake, it makes it much more feasible for us to run that route and be able to get into those different markets if we have those wholesale channels that we're picking up. Additionally, we're going to be having some backhaul transportation that we're looking into. So, um, you know, we we have a, a, a transporter that's going out to different areas in, in the state, and they're going to be able to have empty trucks that bring it back to Casper as well. And so just um, we have these areas that we haven't really developed transportation routes in, but if there's interest and we hit a volume capacity that would be feasible, we're more than happy to expand those routes. But I think the bigger thing is going to be the frequency of the routes. How do we actually... Uh, run these routes more frequently. So, you know, may, instead of biweekly, maybe we're doing a weekly or twice a week that we're uh, we're going to be able to get into, um, you know, these transportation routes. So that's what we're doing right now. I anticipate that will be over the next year or so, as looking at that uh, transportation expansion. Uh, but right now, you know, we've, we've got the routes running. Uh, if you have a product that needs to get to a different place in Wyoming uh, where some of that could help you kind of get it there or at least uh, identify uh, some some resources for you to be able to help expand your product or sell your product.
1: Excellent. Okay. Um, well getting on to kind of putting out some of that information there. If one of the producers in our state is listening, what's the best way to get on board with fresh foods, Wyoming? Let's go over that.
0: Yeah. So you could, you could get in touch with us, um, at, uh, you know, contacting Leanne's probably the best way. Veggie lady at fresh foods, Wyoming.com, uh, is our email address. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. Uh, you can visit our website, freshfoodswyoming.com, um, and, you know, that website is mainly uh, talking about our CSA program that we're operating, but, um, you know, if you want to learn more about this, we have uh, different resources, so reaching out to us, we could give you a little bit idea of idea of what we have available, you know, particularly with marketing or transportation or connecting into the wholesale level um or some of the matchmaking components you know the main main hub is reaching out to me and she is the 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 mastermind behind all of this and she's the the veggie lady who uh makes sure this all operates appropriately so um she would love to talk with you if you have any more information
1: excellent all right um so the next few questions i have for you i kind of ask them at the end of every show that i have a guest on i'm gonna adapt them a little bit just to kind of fit um you since you're not typically the typical farmer that we might have on Uh, So what has been your most successful, I guess, enterprise or leg of of this whole dream team?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, right now I think we're at that pinnacle of of success of what we've shown. So, you know, we've had this idea and we've had this vision and it's taken many years to really uh, make it a reality and, and come to a reality. And now... Uh, we've been able to build this coalition of multiple stakeholders around the state who will continue these operations beyond the grant program. So that's been a huge success for us. The Wyoming Food Coalition, um, you know, wyfoodcoalition.com is, or .org, i org. got to remember, uh, is their, their website. Um, and then the transportation component. This has been huge for us to be able to uh, make these quality products consistently available to the markets has really been the stepping stone for us to reach These wholesale levels, and uh, you know, so this has really occurred in the last uh, couple months, where we we've reached that next level uh, of sustainability for our operation, and so that's been a huge success for us. So, you know, taking a step back, it's it's really saying, hey, we had this vision, you know, eight years ago, and uh, now it's really um, being fulfilled, and we're actually making it operational. And not only operational, but we're hit reaching a level that this could potentially be sustainable for Wyoming. And so it's very fulfilling and uh, promising and inspiring that, hey, we have come together as a, a community and as a state to work together to really um, come up with a new solution that uh, is applicable for Wyoming and perfect for Wyoming to allow our producers to really thrive and reach their sustainability and hopefully encourage it and really make Wyoming an agricultural state again
1: excellent um, so for fresh foods when you're trying to bring on new producers or maybe uh, you know talk to a grocery store to get your products into them what's been like your main marketing outlet for connecting all of these dots
0: so uh, number one we want to make sure that the, the producers understand what pr- what product they have you know, and what is the value of their product? You know, what makes them a niche? Why, why should I buy their lettuce over somebody else's lettuce? Or, you know, they're the only ones that grow these herbs in the state or something. And so being able to help identify their product niche is, is very important. But then also communicate who they are. So the marketing component of who these producers are, and that's what we're doing with these producer profiles. We really want, we're kind of piggybacking off of the US, uh, USDA's Know Your Farmer, Know Your Food. And, uh, you know, we're, we are helping them So, okay, what is your product that you're growing? Who are you and why are you growing this product? So when we advertise that to the consumers, they feel connected with that with that producer and their product. And so, you know, just trying to form those relationships and be the kind of transparent infrastructure in between it. And then, you know, what level of capacity do you have? What infrastructure do you already have or what infrastructure do you need? These are the type of questions that we would be um, articulating with our producers who are interested uh, to really show or give us an idea of what resources or um, value we could add to them. Do, you know, do they need product pictures for e-commerce website or do they need some good copy to really highlight what their products are and um, you know, be able to add some components to that? And So you know, we have this process that we go through to really outline, okay, what services uh, can we provide to them and what resources do they already have or what resources do they need? And so that's that's kind of our onboarding process uh within the and this is really through e wyoming of, of getting so that's kind of our first step are you interested in an e-commerce platform uh do you want to have this sh- shared resource and be able to to onboard you onto that website to be able to make sure you have good product pictures that you have good copy for your products that you have a producer profile that people know who you are and who they're purchasing from and then we could start talking about the scalability Are you ready for a wholesale level? Are you ready for regional sales? Are you ready for national sales?
1: So, when you're marketing fresh foods itself, like to both producers and uh, and stores and stuff alike, like what do you find most successful for you? Are you running like radio ads? Is it just emails, cold calling? What kind of.
0: You know, right now we've really done none of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've done some social media, but not a substantial amount. Um, but more or less people have reached out to us, wholesalers have reached out to us. Oh, I found you online, uh I saw your products, what is available, and then we form that relationship uh that way. And so, you know, it's mainly been word of mouth or people that are interested in in the same type of idea uh reaching out to us. And so Um, you know, our big push over this summer is going to be more of that marketing component. So I anticipate I'll be able to answer that question a lot, uh, easier in October of this year after we push this marketing campaign out. Oh, this is how people reach us. we, uh, radio ads weren't very successful, but TV ads were, or, Mm -hmm. you know, social media was really our our pinnacle of, of really, uh, collecting a captive audience and building our, our producer base and our customer base. And so, um. To give you a little bit better idea, we have really three audiences that we're targeting. We have consumers, you know, individual consumers, directed consumers are interested in purchasing local food. We have wholesalers as well. We have our producers, but then kind of the larger infrastructure. So the people that can make the decisions like government agencies or economic development agencies or townships who are interested in being able to provide uh, these resources for their producers in their areas as, as kind of this expansion.
1: Excellent. Yeah, so kind of demand driven almost, and instead of marketing and maybe a little bit of yeah, SEO yeah, or been, something.
0: Well, when you have a good product and, you, and there is a need for it and there is demand, you know, mm-hmm. there's not much else that you need to do. You know, you and being able to connect into these larger resources uh, that can help you move their move your product, I think, is going to be valuable for you know even the smallest
1: producer. Excellent. Um, so, what has been probably the biggest challenge with getting this distribution network established?
0: Uh, probably two big challenges, obviously, the uh, initial um, capital cost of, of capital cost of developing the infrastructure, the operational component is very difficult and costly as well. And then being able to ensure that you can you have a market that you can run this and, and make sure that you have a, um, a business model that uh, allows you to reach sustainability. And so those are the big components so the capital cost of actually buying the infrastructure um, you know that's a huge risk and a lot of people don't want to take on that risk to be able to you know purchase a vehicle or purchase a storage unit um, and then being able to say oh do we actually have a market that we can sell our product you know or or am I one of a you know uh, twenty or thirty different producers that are producing the same product and I'm just a drop in the hat and it's, it's it really doesn't matter for what I'm doing and so being able to navigate all of that being able to identify you know who's wanting to purchase these products but yeah so uh capital costs the operational components and then being able to ensure that there's demand for your product i think are the the three main components that have been challenging but uh we've been able to accomplish those and you know we took on a lot of that risk for the upfront capital costs and so our producers didn't have to do that and so we're trying to you know lower the overhead costs lower the risk for our producers and be able to provide support to them so they could actually scale on their own.
1: Excellent. All right. Uh, what is the worst thing that the Wyoming wind or weather has thrown at you?
0: <laughs> well, you know, this is why we're looking at the season extension, because we have <laughs> harsh weather here. Uh, we have, uh, you know, cold bouts. We have, you know, it gets up to 100 degrees, and we have horrible wind that, uh, you know, just zaps these plants. And so trying to, uh, you know, use, season extension as a way to uh, navigate kind of the, the weather of Wyoming, I think is uh, uh, the best way we're um, overcoming that obstacle.
1: Excellent. Uh, do you have like a particular story, either personal or, or working with the greenhouse project where maybe it's picked up a, you know, a, a structure or something like that? or
0: well, it hasn't particularly picked up a structure, but uh, the very first um, large greenhouse we developed at Evansville Elementary School uh, it was early in the year, I think it was like February or March, we were putting it up and uh, we needed to to finish it and complete it and we were putting up the panels on the side and, uh, you know, we were on this, this giant ladder, you know, 20-foot ladder uh, at the very top of the greenhouse and we had about, you know, 40, 50 mile an hour winds that were pushing us away and there's, you know, two of us holding the panel up trying to drill it in to finish up the greenhouse while we could so, uh, you know, it didn't blow the whole structure down. So, uh, yeah you know, it's always challenging. It's always going to, uh, to, to be here and face us and probably, uh, come up in the most inopportune times. But yeah, that was a a memory that I have of of putting that greenhouse up and, and really having to fight the win in order to really finish the project. Um, so it didn't crumble basically.
1: Excellent. That, that ended a lot better than I thought it was going to when you started with the ladder. (laughs) I had a neighbor, I think it was last year, he was, uh, working on, one of his structures on his property and the wind came up and literally blew him over and he woke up in the field a few hours later he didn't even yeah well
0: yeah so things happen absolutely
1: (laughs) all right well uh feel free to be completely self-promotional with this one but name one thing that you would think would benefit Wyoming agriculture the most
0: Ooh. um I think the biggest thing is to um, contact your legislators, contact the the your economic development agency, is to really put a focus onto Wyoming, so to be able to help not only the large producers in Wyoming but also the small producers and be able to help them scale to a level that is sustainable. So to focus some of our attention into how do we actually build an agricultural system in Wyoming that is robust, and you know we're we are trying to accomplish some of the ways, but. We're not doing it all. We're doing the things that we feel are most impactful, season extension, infrastructure with transportation, storage, and marketing is really what we're focusing on. But there's other components that are necessary. And reaching out to your legislator saying, hey, this is something that we're interested in. I want you to be interested in it and show the value that we can actually build Wyoming. And if we scale appropriately, we build this initial foundation, we can continue to scale and be a you know an exporter of food and agricultural products for the nation and internationally as well. Um, But instead of focusing on just international right now, having our legislatures really focus on how do we help us here in Wyoming now. And so I think that's the biggest component that people can reach out to, uh, you know, their individual representative and talk to them about like, hey, I want you guys to focus on the small guys as as well, you know, and I think that's one of the big components that may, uh, you know, enough people do it, we get enough momentum moving in this direction. Uh, I think it could be uh, extreme value
1: for Wyoming excellent all right um and we've kind of gone over a little bit of where listeners can find you for your various things but uh maybe let's just go down a short list of what they might be contacting you for so for the greenhouse project where can people find you
0: yeah, yeah. so let me just uh do a quick overview so if you're interested in season extension or school gardens or nutritional education uh and community gardens really reach out to to us through the Casper Community Greenhouse Project. And you can find us at growcasper.com or at growcasper on some of the social media uh, channels. Um, but yeah, our big focus is nutritional education um, and being able to help provide the resources for people to grow their own food. And uh, either if that's through greenhouse or community gardens or nutritional education. And so uh, that's really what our focus is uh, with the Casper Community Greenhouse Project.
1: Okay, but, and- uh, uh,
0: if, okay. You're, if you're a producer, uh, that's interested in using an e commerce platform and being able to try and market your product uh, statewide. You know, eat Wyoming, uh, please contact us through that. You know, eatwyoming.com. You could review what our website is, what uh, some of the producers are, what it looks like, um, you know, the value you would be getting as we help upload your product. We talked to you about actually creating um, some pictures and verbiage that uh, connects you through our producer profiles to the consumer. Uh, if you are a consumer of, of local foods, also go to um, uh, excuse me EatWyoming.com. There's a, a wide variety of products that are available from producers all over the state. Um, so if you're interested in purchasing local food and you haven't been able to find it uh, in your local farmer's market or local town, uh, this is a way to try and access that in a way um, you, could, you could continue to get these products uh, throughout Wyoming. And so uh, we've connected with some uh, retail stores in these different locations. So say you um, you live in Sheridan and you buy a product off of e Wyoming, we will transport that product up, up to Freedom Foods and you'll be able to pick it up at their store. Um, and so we are doing that weekly. Same thing in Jackson, Lander, uh, Ben Cody, Laramie, uh, and in Casper. And so you know these are the different uh, locations that you'd be able to purchase these products or be able to pick them up. Excellent. And then uh, if you're more interested on uh, kind of this infrastructure component if you're interested in uh, helping develop some storage capacity in your local region or interested in transportation, you can get in touch to, with us um, at uh, FreshFoodsWyoming.com or, like I said, reach out to Leanne at uh, VeggieLady at FreshFoodsWyoming.com to be able to uh, kind of discuss the infrastructure components that we are helping build and uh, helping reach the sustainability of Wyoming for Wyoming local foods.
1: Cool. Um, and I'd imagine that, you know, if there's somebody in the Casper area that's listening to this, they might feel a little more comfortable with you as a family physician than some other doctors they've met. Uh, would you like to share your contact info for that?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, right now I'm a, uh, uh, I'm a hospitalist. I work uh, specifically in the hospital, but over the next few years, I'll be developing my own clinic. Uh, right now I'm developing a website. Um, you'll probably have access to it in the next couple of months. It's, uh, DrJesseMiller.com, uh, D-R-J-E-S-S-E-M-I-L-L-E-R.com, Um You can find me there, um, you know, on social media channels as well uh, for more of this information. Uh, I'm happy to uh, talk with my patients and be able to uh, give them some advice and education about what's good for them to do, um, you know, uh, as well as how to help their themselves and their family uh, reach a good, sustainable health uh, lifelong.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, with that, um, I think we'll kind of wrap up the interview. Thank you very much, Dr. Jesse Miller, for uh, joining us on the Wyoming Agriculture Podcast and talking with us about everything that you're doing around the state. Um, just for the listeners, we'll go ahead and uh, just email some links back and forth uh, over the next, you know, twenty four hours um, with anything that we'd like to share in the show notes, and then I'll have this published before Wednesday. I've got a to run today, but. I'll uh, work on it as I get time over the weekend and get it all published. So,
0: No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Devin, thank you so much for uh, asking me to come on and talk about this. This is something that's, uh, you know, passionate, uh, passionate about and and close to my heart, you know. And thank you for participating and and, uh, seeing kind of the the necessity and vision of this. And uh, we look forward to working with you and hopefully being able to reach some people of the podcast who uh, help them out or be able to answer some of their questions and be able to continue to develop the local food system in Wyoming for
1: the health of Wyoming. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Take care. You too. All right. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up another episode of the Wyoming Agriculture Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this show or any of the other episodes that we've put out, feel free to share it with your friends uh, tell them a little bit about the show, give them the website link, whatever works for you. You can find us on all sorts of avenues as well, and you can share any of those. So we are on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, CastBox, and of course our own website. Um, that again at the moment is W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash y-o-a-g w-y-o-a-g alright and we'll go ahead and wrap on up until next time go on and grow on